0: Welcome to the Wayfinders Podcast. introduce yourself, if you could,
1: I'm Banger.
0: Banger, bang on. You know, if you're going to p- pick a code name, that, that that's one. It's got a lo- <laughs> enough connotations to keep it interesting. Yeah. So, uh, Banger, is there? Uh, you, you want to give us just a little bit of a, of your background that you're
1: uh, you're, you're comfortable sharing about? Uh, sure. your, your backstory. Yeah. Um I'm 52 years old, nearly 53. Um as you can tell by the way I talk, um I'm not from around these parts. I'm from the uh the rainy nation of England. Uh born and bred in uh, um Berkshire, which is where the Queen lives. I always like to fit that in where I can. <laughs> God save the Queen. Yeah. Um moved up to uh, Birmingham in the West Midlands in the late 80s and became a policeman in 1992 in Birmingham, West Midlands, in England. And then approximately 10 years, 10 or so years later, I transferred to a neighbouring force, uh, more rural, called West Mercia. And uh, (coughs) stayed there until I saw the uh, the blue lights calling me from across the pond to come to to Canada. Uh, I was a very keen winter sport. Uh, person skiing and snowboarding and the op- when the opportunity presented itself to come and work for the Calgary Police Service I jumped at it and uh, moved halfway across the road to come and serve the, uh, the communities in and around Calgary
0: so when they said you you like winter sports they didn't tell you that this winter sports lasts for eight months no
1: no <laughs> no my, win- my, my winters are only supposed to last two weeks eight. like the when you ski snowboard <laughs> yeah Get drunk, fly back out again.
0: Well, and, and like every good civilized person, if you're gonna have four seasons, it'd be good if they were all equally of oh, duration, rather than let's uh, not go there. Yeah, Roger yeah. that. Well, hey, the reason why I, you know, I, I, there's no such thing as uh, like we're all immigrants in, in one way, other than our um, uh, our native uh, and Aboriginal uh, brothers and sisters. But we're all immigrants here, and, and I think living in this harsh land with uh, with, with these climates, I think it. There's something that defines on the character. But, sure. uh, uh, so England's loss is our gain.
1: <laughs>
0: well, we'll see. Suckered into uh, um, joining up with the uh, CPS. How, how was that experience, con- uh, Comparing, and contrasting with, uh, with your
1: time in the uh, UK? <clears throat> night and day. Absolutely night and day. Um, people, in my opinion, people in the UK are born with, uh, with a, a, a genetic hatred for the police Everywhere you go, you meet with hostility every mm. single day. Even as a um, as a sergeant, I'd, I had a stint of acting inspector not long before I came here. Even at, even at those ranks where I'm not kind of right at the pointy end every single day, I'm not going call to call to call like my officers were, I'd still get in a fight at least once a week. Wow. Once a week. And I consider myself a reasonable, a, a decent communicator. And we don't have guns there, so you talk very early on that Communication is key, it's going to save your life, and it did on many occasions and save saved many other lives. Um, coming here, um, it's working in Calgary is quite unique. Um, and I'll tell this to anybody that ever, ever, ever considers it, um, even though I have my angst uh, and axe to grind with uh, the Calgary Police Service. But I would, I would encourage anybody if they're going to go into a policing career, do it in Calgary. Mm. The public, the communities in Calgary are. One of a kind, and it's, it's ever so weird. I can't even explain why it happens, but they trust you, they like you, they love you, and going to work each day, not being met with that inherent genetic hostility, and being met with with kindness and uh, warmth and respect, you can't buy that. You can't you can't put a price on it. It was remarkable. And.
0: <clears> that's <throat> interesting you say that you know when you have that kind of uh of trust so you know i i've seen it on, on both sides so as a as a military member you know in in canada they had the it went from going you know getting spit on because you're a bunch of baby killers you know so so mm-hmm. that, that vietnam era where there was some hatred against against the mm-hmm. military and then it, evolving um and in, in especially during my time where even if you didn't agree with the politics, you didn't take that out on uh, on the troop because they're just doing their job the best they can and they're being asked to do something. And I think that's kind of speaks to that sophistication of the, the Calgary population. And I know I'm overjoyed to hear that because we're all very proud of our, of our community in, in, in Alberta and, and, and hearing that even after all this explosive growth, that there's still something inherently good and trusting in that population. And it speaks to the CPS. No institution's perfect. But they've been able to foster a good interaction over the years with and um, exchanging. Yeah. So that, that's great to hear.
1: I think I think, I personally think they're inherently uh, cognizant of the fact that it dangles on a very, very tenuous thread. Mm. It's, it's so easily lost. Once lost, it's gone. Once you lose that trust, once you lose that faith in, in your organization, it's gone. Yeah. You can't get it back, ever.
0: Yeah, and if you want any examples of that, you can take a look at some of those police departments in the States as they were having some, some issues over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. you know, d- down in St. Lu- uh, Louis when they were having uh, a couple of officers having some issues, yep. you know, the <clears throat> Chicago uh, Police Department over the mid-2010s, uh, there's just, mm-hmm. a, you know, a huge erosion of trust there. And through some mismanagement, miscommunications, some bad eggs, and then some, and and then really um, s- some some video posts out of context. And I think that's one of the big challenges I see for modern day policing is having to walk on eggshells in the age of uh, social media posts and being able to take these things out of context. Was like, well, yes, you're seeing the end result right. of an escalation over a period. And so, anyways, uh,
1: well, hang on, hang on to, to that thought because yeah, sure. it, it may well it may, it may well come up in in the conversation about the the neurological and uh, chemical effects that go on in the body, mm. those that are, are putting themselves at risk every single day. If they, You know, we can talk about that when... when well, I, I, I,
0: please, I, I, want, I would like you to elaborate a little bit about this because I'm, I'm quite interested <clears throat> because my experiences are, are, are from the military and I'm really interested about the thin blue line yep. facing this every day and the, the, the growing, you know... I would anticipate, you know, whether it's hypervigilance or you know this, this
1: accumulation of suck. Mm-hmm. So, uh, please, yeah. Um, the P- PTSD, which is fundamentally what we're all we all here about, um, the, the the build up or the the events, the index event, could be uh, a multitude of different different things. Um, but there's, you've also got the the, the concept that, you know, you, you keep throwing little Velcro balls at this Velcro post and, eventually, and stuff sticks to it, mm. sticks to it, sticks mm. to it. So um, just some research that I did, uh, I discovered that uh, when you have that fight or flight uh, uh, thing go on uh, in your brain and, and that's in the military, you've yeah. got that yeah. all the time. Oh, so it yeah. starts yeah. flinging bullets over your head. Yeah. Boom! Give me fight or flight. Oh well, no! Yeah, yeah, you go, you, you go, ready right to primal human. You bet yeah. you do. And that comes from 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 our genes. That comes yeah. from our our prehistoric creations. Um, it's always there because we had to fight saber toothed tigers and take down mammoths and fight off tribes. And it was it was pure survival. Yeah. You, di- you didn't fight. Um, you, you lost and you died. You lost your tribe. You lost your village. Whatever it was. So you had to do it. And that and that fight or flight is there for our survival we can't you can't switch it off you can't it, it's always there so that fight or flight can kick in at any time mm. in any situation and the type of occupations that we do uh, and the type of stuff we do in the police service you, you're going through that fight or flight uh, scenario maybe 10 times a day those chemicals just, just up and down yeah but with those chemicals you, you get a call comes up on the screen you, re, you click on it and you're gone Yeah, just lights and sirens are on if anybody, if anybody thinks that they see a police car go by, oh, look at that. going off with their donuts again, um, it really is one of the highest stressful situations because if the roads are empty and there wasn't no, another single car on the road and you has got the lights and sirens on going, you know what, Each, which running we're very, very well trained, well, we are in the UK, not so much here, but we're very, very well trained, and you can drive to 90% to 100% without any real risk. But the... Onus is on you not hurting anybody else. Mm. Now, so one thing is looking after yourself. Yeah. That's stressful enough. But what happens when you T-bone another car? Somebody's not looking where they're going. We don't have the right to go 100 miles an hour everywhere. Yeah. Just because we've got our blue lights on doesn't make us a tank that that's... Everybody can see, and we're coming through hell or high water. If something something goes wrong, those blue lights aren't going to save you. Those sirens aren't going to save you. They're going to, still going to kill people. And that yeah. that when you carry that risk, your fight or flight the, that 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 all those chemicals, up, the adrenaline, the adrenad right up. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's pounding in your ears, and you can feel it literally coming out your fingertips when you go into a call. When you get there, imagine imagine that you've just gone through the most frightening experience of your life. And with a click of a button, you have to be the calmest, most lucid, most observant, most objective individual you can. And that's the training that's put into police officers, especially here. Mm. When you get there, however you get there, when you get there, you, you, it, it's got to be like you've just put down your favourite book and you're walking in to ask what's going on. Mm. That's a tough, tough gig. And the way you do it is suppression. Yeah. you suppress your own emotions and you control the physiological effects of those chemicals that have gone off in your body. So you're not fighting that saber-tooth tiger. You're not chasing down that mammoth for food. And you're not fighting the, 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 the local tribe for survival. So those chemicals are stuck mm. in there. You're not dissipating. Unless you get out and start beating the shit out of somebody um, or running after somebody, that, unless you dissipate those fight-or-flight chemicals, they're stuck, and they're bad for you. Yeah, they're bad for you. If you haven't spent them, they go to your brain. They go to different parts of you, and they start causing damage.
0: Well, and and, and, and th- this is one of those things that uh, that that I learned. You know, when uh, for a lot of the military guys, and I think this is also for uh, true for first responders. You know, one of those things about an operational stress injury, it's a, it, it is an adaptation for a different reality. Mm-hmm. So your your brain's adjusting. So your so your brain from your if you're living as a, in a civilized society in a very sedate, mo- moderately or regularly safe environment where you're not worried about regular death or violence every day, your brain adjusts to that reality and it, it focuses on on certain other things because it doesn't need to adapt to that. The minute you are in regular threat, your brain's like, okay, our reality has now changed and now I need to protect you. I need mm-hmm. to protect us. So, you know, if you're mm-hmm. uh, you can see yourself like that, but you need to be, it's trying to protect itself. So, yep. you're, so you're amping itself up. So th- those chemicals are, when you look at the injury, it depends on on the view of reality that you're looking at. If you're looking at it from your ability to interact with regular civilized people, you're injured yeah, because your ability to interact with them is completely diminished. Yep. If you're looking at being in sustained, dangerous environments, you are being perfectly adapted to that environment. So those chemicals are going in there, and they're saying... Listen, something's happening here, and we are getting our ass kicked. Like whether, and it's not physically, but you're definitely yeah, like you're okay, you're going up to these thresholds of we got we get ready to like, amp the violence. Okay, no, nope, we're mm. controlling that, but those chemicals are saying the world's not safe. You're not safe. I'm here to protect you. Yeah. So, it really, it, it's 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 accumulation of damage. So, hearing that, and 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 I think this is where we can really have a a, a lot of dialogues. I think. From my anecdotal observations, you know, the military has paved the way for a lot of the conversations about operational stress injuries, mm-hmm. um, e- even the language, which we're going to try and impress more upon, you know, the, the, the first responding community is, is PTSD is a diagnosis under the umbrella yes. of an operational stress injury, an yep. injury caused by stress in, a, in an operation. And mm-hmm. I think that's a much better way to, for those going through it to understand you're injured. It's not a disorder.
1: No. Nope.
0: Injured. Injured. And, but in, in that, realizing that there's so much common cause and where, where I think we can leverage off one another, these different experiences. And I'm really fascinated. So what made you actually what, get involved with the, with this initiative, with the, this wellness retreat?
1: I'm sick. Quite sick, quite, you know, in in a very simple uh, phrase. Um, I was diagnosed with PTSD. Um, because of some of the some of the, the things that had accumulated, and with, with some index events, um, yeah, I got I got to my breaking point, and uh, I broke. Plain and simple. the 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 ugliness of, of that is is extraordinary. Um, everybody's you know, people who walk around in the in the you know in the land of the fairies, you think everybody's good. You know, you've got good people, and you've got bad people. <laughs> uh, you know what? There's good and bad in everybody. I don't care who you say, the priestess or the pastor, you know, any, anybody. Uh, there's good and bad in everybody. And the bad side of, of me is ugly. Well, and, and, and
0: this is one thing that actually causes a lot of the injuries is the change of framework when you realize that we're all the mark one human. Yep. you know, And when you realize that you have the capacity within you. Like some people, when you live in civilized society, you don't ever acknowledge that darkness within you. But when you cage it and you try to suppress it and all the time, you're feeding it. And eventually it's going to bust out where, and what you're learning through these different modalities of of healing, of, of when you become well, it's actually you're no longer caging this animal within you. You understand it, you you you're, and you put it into balance, that you understand that you have it. Like, to understand what you're capable of, it should scare you. If it doesn't scare you, it means you don't understand who you are yet. Mm-hmm. So I mean, my hats off for you being so brave and just saying it so bluntly and forthrightly. Saying, "I'm injured." Mm. I mean, true bravery is is not the absence of fear. It's actually knowing how terrible those consequences are and doing it anyway. And and, and
1: well, when you've seen it, when you've when you've experienced it, um, and I've always known that 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 dark um, killer <laughs> madman uh, resides within you, and you. And you come to terms with the fact. Okay, that's the good and bad, and everybody. That's my bad side. That's me at my worst. Is mm. I, when you're in kill mode yeah. and you kill an object. Yet you know, the thing you want to kill is in front of you. You're going to kill him. Absolutely. And it's happened uh, twice before. I I realised I was I was sick. And when it when the th- it happened against a senior officer, <laughs> it's not a good move um, mm. when you're in a disciplined organisation like the the, the CPS. Um, it's ugly, yeah. and it's to say it's detrimental to your career is an, <laughs> is an understatement. Um, I haven't been I haven't been to work since, and there's a guilt and a stigma attached to that. Which is, I'm a Gen X, right? And Gen X works; they, they're workers, they're little worker bees. You, if you you know, our motto is the Gen X motto is, "I'll do anything for you, just pay me." Yeah, and I've you know, you seen some of the stuff I do around here. I just keep going and going and going and going until I can't go anymore. Boom, down. And then then rest, and then back, back on it, and and away you go. And that—that's where I'm. So not working hurts. Actually hurts my. It hurts the grain of my moral fiber. I hate it. Hate it with a passion.
0: So this goes back into something even more profound. Actually, what you're actually talking about is purpose. Hmm. That's the one thing they don't talk about when they talk about when you have an OSI. Okay, you know what? This this version of yourself. You're no longer able to be, okay? you're injured. You're not able to function in w- within the constructs of the of the organization because of this injury and then it takes it from you. And then as you're going through the healing, it may turn out that you'll never be able to return to that line of work because of the nature of the injury and the, even if you're you make it back into relapse, you're, you're a hundred percent quote unquote but you're you're better, but you might not have real be return <coughs> because of the nature of relapse. and then all of a sudden, you find one of the the most un, the underpinnings of, of yourself your purpose what now what do you, if if you're a protector if you're a warrior if if you're a server what do you do and no one else can can fill in that void and especially when you've been part of you know institutionalized you know over you know it takes 20 years of a career to do something and then when that's taken from you you haven't chosen you haven't laid it down it's been taken from you mm-hmm. How do you rediscover that purpose? And the, at least in my experience, there's no easy answer to that. And, and that's the most. That that's the hardest question. It's the most important question. And we have there's no one that can give it to you. The only thing we can do for each other is support each other enough that you can be in a place of strength to allow that. Discovery.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, in that, so. You've you've been in this your wellness journey you're you're trying to find ways to be better so what have you found is is there any key elements that you've found has been a real key in 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 you becoming better
1: some the 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 bare bones basics of getting you to to a point where you can actually function um i take my hat off or tip my hat to um dr chris rose who is Probably one of the leading specialists, certainly in this part of the world, in um, PTSD mm-hmm. psychological therapy, um, and he has a number of modalities that, that he uses to to bring you back to, I'll call it bring you back to life, because I wasn't I wasn't really living until until he started to do his his voodoo magic on me. Um, and everybody's different, right? Everybody's journey back to well, journey to illness, journey to injury. Journey to uh, recovery is very. It's all very different. Um, my nickname in the very early days of my career was the Ice because nothing, nothing fazed me. Right. The world could be coming to an end around me, and I see everything in slow motion, and j- just make good decisions. Not I won't say always the right decision, but I make good decisions when, when shit's going down. Mm. Um. So I, I, it was a very cold, very flat, very unemotional. Um, individual and uh, to get me to to cry, for example, was, was a nigh on impossibility. And were you quite proud of the of the title of Iceman? Oh yeah, yeah. oh geez, yeah, yeah, I, I carried that with me for twenty something years. Yes, I, I, I g- always like to drop that in where I can. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: I, but I, I I get it. I mean, that, like that one of the th- things I always held is that you know the worst things got the colder and harder I became. Mm. You know and. and in, in, in some contexts, you say like, "What are you a sociopath?" But but in 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 in, in the warrior culture, in 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 the, in the server culture, in those who are or the sheepdogs who are trying to protect people, we wear that like, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when everything else goes wrong, I'm the guy you count on. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that that is and should be admirable, but it carries with it a heavy cost. It's a price. There's it's a big a price. price to pay, and and
1: you know. Um, being taught to suppress your emotions like i just just described to you to get out get out of a car um having driven like yell your hairs on fire um and walk in nice and calm. i had no no trouble with that I was the ice man yeah um but when you when you're injured and somebody's somebody's got the almost impossible task of trying to fix you mm. and you've got that that oh, well yeah it's a veneer um that that solid, impenetrable coldness, mm. and they tell they tell you, and they point in your face, you're sick, you've got this for life, um, <laughs> and you're healing. The way I'm going to heal you, mm. you are not even close to feeling your worst yet. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, what? Yeah. Are you
0: kidding me? You, th- you you think you're in the bottom, and the, and <clears> like, <throat> anyone who's who's going through this, like like when you're actually facing like the early eight d- d- days. It's way worse than what you think you're going to have. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, and I because I, I, you're broken. By the time you're asking for help, you think you're at rock bottom because that because that's kind of you're like, okay, I can't get any worse. I need help.
1: Yeah. If I if I don't get
0: help, I'm done. And then they tell you, it's good you came to us. This is going to be worse now.
1: Yeah. That that was a hard blow. Oh. That, oh that, that, that. That. Okay. So go, go do your worst. Because I was desperate. Yeah. You know, At the end of the day, my career was flushed down the can, and I I put a lot into my career. There's no there's no getting away from that. Um. And and they say, "Yeah, you're you're going to feel okay. Do it." And he goes to work on you, and he tries certain things. Okay, that didn't work. That didn't work. And then he did this. I I still call it voodoo magic. It's called EMDR. Mm. A little flashy light going back and forwards, and he talks you through this thing. It's it's almost like a form of hypnosis. That's the best way I can describe it.
0: Uh, I I've I've been the um. I've gone through the EMDR process, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's, f- for anyone who's not familiar, what, yeah, so, like, Banger saying, is a, a light, and your eyes are following this light, and the trained psychologist, and it's a very specific task, he has very to walk so. you through yeah. very specific things, it's very organized, mm-hmm. but th- what the eye movement's doing is, it's not putting you into a hypnotic state, but what it's, a, it, there's a connection, because what, when your eyes are moving, it's almost like it's, it's artificially going into REM, and it's, it's, it's triggering parts of your brain that allows you to get into your into yourself you know past these other, these obstacles and actually get into stuff. It's. I read a literature. I mean so how, how did you find at the end of the day?
1: My experience of that was um, profound yeah, absolutely profound because uh, prior to getting to that stage and you say the, the psychologist has to do the homework, um, the interrogation the interview, the, the information building process leading up to that treatment modality is extensive. So mm-hmm. that guy knew just about all there was to know about me. And I told him just about everything I could possibly remember that, that could be attributed to my, um, my, my diagnosis. Yeah. And when he did the EMDR on me, he pulled stuff out of my memory... That I didn't even know was there. <laughs> yeah, we haven't been there. And I'm I'm listening to this stuff coming out of my mouth. Oh. It's like, where the frick did that come from? <laughs> and I had no, I had yeah. no clue. Yeah. And it was like, you could have sat me down for a month of Sundays, and I would not have remembered that incident. I would not have remembered my reaction, my um, my feelings, my emotions around that particular incident. Yeah. That that particular incident. I thought, I've forgotten all about that. Yeah. I've forgotten all about that one. It's like, holy cow. And rock bottom. And you know, you you've you've just brought something out that you'd forgotten about. But now you've now you remember it again. And you've your your brain, your body has said it's so damaging, they've locked it away. where well, yeah. you can't find it. Yeah. This fucker has just pulled it out again. Yeah. Now you've got to relive it.
0: Uh huh. Rock, rock bottom, and, and and then and yeah, and then you're trying to put the pieces back together once you're got all this stuff out. Yeah, and th- yeah, it is. When they say nothing's easy, e- try EMDR.
1: Yeah, yeah. My Roger head, that. and he, you know, he warned me. He said, um, "Don't be alone. You're gonna the, the next between now and our next session is going to be a tough road. Yeah. Do not be alone yeah. at any time and talk." Yeah, my oh. wife. My wife is a great. My, is my best best friend best support mechanism I could ever ask for that and my brother in the UK um, that I speak to um, frequently and without them I wouldn't be here I would not have got through that 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 period of time after what what happened I won't say what he did to me but after dragging all of it oh. out so now it's all out there it's like okay now I'm at rock bottom I don't think I would have made it without being able to say hey honey guess what I did today? That fucker pulled this thing out of my head. I didn't even know it was there. And he said, oh, tell me all about it. And, and yeah. it all comes again. Well,
0: and th- this is a really good note for everyone who um, encounters someone who's gone through, um, whether it's an OSI or, or some other tra- trauma, be very cautious about letting them talk about it depending on where they are on the journey once you've processed if someone's well through like whether it's an EMDR or some other therapy modality and they've had those trigger points where they've got everything kind of organized back again if they're at the start of their journey do not let them unpack you can't let them unpack because the consequences are is that you're not going to be there when they crash because because you're not they're so desperate to get out because it's poison but you can't you have to be very deliberate and Put those mechanisms in place. You have a, give a toolbox and such.
1: So, which, which—the the beauty of my situation yeah. was my wife um, and I started policing in the UK five weeks apart. Oh, so or she, there, oh. thereabouts. So, so she was a police officer right through. So she knew. Oh. So when so you're, you're you're able to talk the same language. Yeah. So we 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 go home. Hey, you know, you talk shop. Oh, of course. Yeah. Everybody says, "Oh, don't talk shop." You know, you don't you don't have a private life. Bullshit. I don't give a shit what anybody says. A problem shared is a problem halved. I've. I've helped her through some of her difficult um, situations at work, and she's helped me yeah. know, immensely. So when these incidents are pulled out that, that my brain is locked away and can't find and say, they pulled that one out. Oh, geez. Remember. She remembers it. She remembers me telling her about it. She remembers how it affected me at the time. But I was the Iceman. It's like, yeah.
0: Uh, so, and, you know, we talked about it, so it's obvious. <coughs> and yeah. and you keep calm and carry on. Yeah.
1: So I'm was. i I'm one of probably one of the more lucky ones in the fact that I do have somebody that um, it's safe for her to ask those questions, and for me to, to unload some of my my baggage, and as I say, she's been a, she's been an absolute rock. I don't know how she continues to absorb the shit that still has to come from me, but it, she's good. It, it works. So, it,
0: is is that part of your um, some of your underlying motivations for um, helping create the wine glass wellness retreat? Is is, it, is it, because not everyone has this support group that can. You know, be there, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're crashing, you know, whereas if you get a a, a peer support group, we we may not be family, but this is a, this is a resource you can access, you know, and it's, you know, many hands make light work. If someone's coming in, they're going through, you know, hey, we can even warn someone like, yeah, I'm going through the process. Okay, when you go and you hit your crash point, call us. Mm-hmm. We're here and, and building that community in real, real time, where you can say you have to go through this portion. Don't run away from it, but it's going to suck. Yep. and I think as it's, it's almost one of those, it's a big motivator for me. Yeah.
1: Um, so how how did how did I get to this? Um, Paul Wagman is a is a friend from 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 work and hockey, and we had exchanged conversations about hunting uh, across the the uh, the dressing room of the hockey um i got sick he just happened to pop around uh, for a quick cup of coffee i told him what was going on it was a really 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 tough point in uh, in my my injury and i explained how i was how i was feeling um mm. I could just want it to kill everybody yeah um, anybody that said just even the slightest word against me i i I'd, I'd identified all the kill points and, and we just wanted to kill them and i thought i was absolutely losing my mind i thought i am going to get locked up i'm yeah. going to get they're going to throw me in, in an asylum and i'm not going to come out again that's how bad i felt mm. and he just one one very clean unforgettable phrase he said this is perfectly normal there's no weird this is because, i mean perfectly normal because i knew he I knew, I knew where for he course. was on his journey yeah. and for him somebody i trust who i know what he'd gone through to say this is normal you're not losing your mind that you, you are going to find out very soon exactly what's wrong and how it happened and what you are experiencing is normal don't worry about it and
0: to, <clears throat> to have that validated i mean to to, to hear that the, the first time you, you know you just kind of like when you're when you're going through it the, it's so abnormal it is weird and then you, because it's so far out of what your experience is, then all of a sudden says, "No, no, no, no." As weird as this you might feel, this is normal. Yeah. No, and, and, and uh, to tip my hat for for, for that for
1: that uh, connection. So, I guess as well. Hang on. Oh, please. When he said that, it 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 kind of transported me back to, uh, let's say, two thousand and two, mm. back in the UK. I I was a sergeant uh, responsible for a team of officers and. <coughs> we had some pretty grisly um, incidents that, that we had to had to deal with, and a, a relatively new process had started in our in our police service called critical critical incident debriefs, mm. where they would bring in specially trained people to, as we would describe it now, psychologically debrief mm. the officers, and that um, the, the I, and I've been through a, a few of those, and it starts with. You are ordinary people experiencing extraordinary events, and you are having extraordinary reactions, which are normal. And it what Paul said transported me back to that that particular the opening to all of our debriefs, in, and they are they were so powerful, mm. so so powerful in try in in the in the methodology that they used to, to diffuse the damage or the trauma that they experienced. Mm. When I came here and went to, quote, uh, critical incident debrief, unquote, with the CPS, it starts with a senior officer. Um, you're all around a table, and, it, and, it, and that senior officer would open with you know, austere, arms folded, notebook in front of him. Right, everybody, this is a critical incident debrief. Um, everything that's said in the uh, notes are going to be taken, and it's evidential and, and disclosable. <laughs> well, <laughs> Shoot me, yeah. what freaking use is that? And, and it was like, you're not getting a word out of me. Yeah, what's going on here? This isn't a critical, you know, I'm, I know it's semantics, but I'm thinking, what, what's going on? All right, when are we having this other debrief where we all kind of get I, to pour I, out I, the emotions and, and fix and, and move, you know, help each other? You want to do an operational debrief to take a
0: look about uh, how, how yep. an operational? Cool, but then you need to have that as a, as a yep. separate piece. Yeah, yep. and, I mean, as soon as you say that out loud, it sounds so absurd. It's mad. It's,
1: yeah, it is. It is mad. And then CPS are, and I, you know, as I said before, I got a good, a good few axes to grind with, with those guys. But they are, in my opinion, world leaders mm. in the investment that they've placed into their psychological services. They've got some fantastically trained, fantastically empathetic, fantastically understanding people to help when things go wrong psychologically. Mm. But it's too fucking late when somebody's you, you somebody's frothing at the mouth or wanting to kill each other it's too late it's you've missed it well and and,
0: and you the opportunities for having <clears throat> just reducing the incidences of, of OSIs by having a, a timely the, the, the first earliest opportunity for, for finding ways for mm-hmm. people to integrate those those experiences
1: yeah. into themselves so they don't become blocked yeah yeah no and and the psychologists get it Sure, but the people within psych services understand what the need is, but there, there is an operational barrier that's preventing it from happening. they I haven't quite made cre- that bridge over. It they and they, they resolutely refuse to do it. Whether they've whether they don't want to because it might open too big a can of worms for them, or whether they just think, oh no, we can muddle through this, and we've got we've got these people, these brilliant brilliant people that are going to help you when it when you really are broken. And then then internally you think to yourself, okay. I'm like the uh, the sacrificial lamb here. We they don't really care about it. Yeah, you, you, they you, do, but they don't. Why are they what they know? This is this is not new stuff. I'm talking about 2002. In the UK, in 18 it, years ago, we were doing this the proper way, and this is a, a very modern uh, police service in a very modern city in a very modern environment. And It's like why are you, why is this not why are you not cluing in? So the reason what my biggest goal here Mm. is to make this place somewhere that cps or ems or fire department can bring their people in a timely fashion with appropriately trained psychologist to psychologically debrief people soon after a critical incident so you
0: you you want to be in early access before before critical injuries shown up
1: correct I can buy into that. Yeah, you got to, If you can, if you can minimize, if you, if you, you know, if you're hitting something with a uh, w- with a heavy object, you're going to dent it. Mm. <clears throat> you you hit it often enough, you'll break it. If if you if you limit the the damage that dent is doing, it's going to last a lot longer. It's going to last so much longer, and you probably won't break it. But the only way that you can minimize the the, the damage that that dent is is with timely and appropriately trained intervention, and we're missing that point, and I, you know, I've, I, I, believe, uh, that I've fallen foul of that, of that, that system, it's, it, it was too, you know, because it I, came too late, because
0: you're, you're aware that there may be a better way, it, it can foster increasing resentment, because it didn't have to go this way, mm-hmm. so, Looking at this now, your, your experiences, you're at this, this nexus right now, we're all on this journeys as we get, as we talk about. Um, what is it now going forward, now whether that's for the wellness retreat, whether it's for you personally, whether it's for your family, what is it what are you hoping for for, for the, yourself? Uh,
1: for myself, uh, You know what I, I, you're an ex-military. Um, and you ask anybody that's, that's in, in the military, fire, EMS, police, search and rescue, why do you do it? Mm. I want to serve. You, know, you don't know you want to serve, but it's a calling. Why do, why do priests become priests? Why do pastors become preachers? It's a calling, mm. um, and it's in you. It's in you to give. I, I mentioned that the, the stigma um, attached to not working, um, the inability to help people, is, it, it hurts me. I, you know, I, I want to help, and I can't. I can't peel that shirt off and have that Superman vest underneath anymore. That's gone. That, that that that's that's beyond me now. So maybe maybe it's time for me to pay forward, and maybe if possible, save a life or two from a very different direction. I've pulled, I've pulled people out of uh, frozen, swollen rivers, um, and, and so save them they've been able to go back to their families um, CPR um, taking people that, that have the ability to kill on a, on a very cold blooded regular basis taking them out of action and protecting their in, their intended victims um, has been a badge of honour I've worn for nearly 28 years mm. however my my biggest Desire was in the, in terms of helping children. Mm. Now I CPS has a, a phenomenal uh, department, uh, child abuse uh, unit. Um, they are, in my opinion, the hero above all heroes. Oh yeah, that would Go that, that work. that's work. I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable. I could never do it. I knew no. I knew that my own personality, my own hurt mechanisms, I could never work do the type of work that they do. But um, nevertheless, it's. Domestic violence. My my career has been very much guided towards um, not having children lose their parents or loved ones mm. from violence, from crime, not having their life affected by people who who will do bad things to them. And my final mm. role within the Calgary Police Service was with the High Risk Offender uh, Program. Um, When you see these media releases saying this person is being released from custody public beware my unit um, was responsible for making sure they didn't do it again Mm -hmm. in in a nutshell Um, and we failed Uh, we failed because of um, a certain management intervention a a change in direction we were revered across the entire of north america at what we did Mm how we did it Mm -hmm. and moreover the significantly low numbers of people that were targeted by predatory child offenders, child sex offenders, child murderers. Calgary was for the longest time one of the safest cities, metropolitan cities in the world in terms of child abductions and child murders Mm. and we did that because we had this program, it was very unique when it was set up um, nearly 20 years ago. And it worked. Mm. But the way it worked was being stripped down because one person wanted to do something differently and ch- turn our focus away from protecting children to going after gangbangers, going after people that uh, were coming out of prison from significant uh, drug trafficking charges or going back into the gang, gang fraternities. And it took our focus away and two children were uh, victimized by two of our offenders mm-hmm. in fairly short succession. And I couldn't cope, I, and that when when that confrontation um, happened with that senior senior officer, um, that was my breaking point. Mm-hmm. I, I I realized that I wasn't going to win this battle. I wasn't going to be able to protect the children in the way that we had become accustomed to. Very accomplished at, and were very successful at, any longer, mm-hmm. and it all caved in on me, and everything. All that, all those Velcro balls that were thrown at my sticky post, the post fell over, and that senior officer was only moments away from, from dying, mm. from getting a full-on ugly, key, ugly banger uh, um, assault, which yeah. would have ended very, very badly probably bad for me bad for everybody around us because you know we're all armed <laughs> and it would have gone really bad it could have gone really bad and as 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 i relive that over and over again and in you know in the subsequent days and weeks that followed mm. until i could get that uh help from dr chris rose the map of my my being went all the way back to uh, a child murder in a uh, two year old boy called James Bolger uh, that was killed by two two other boys aged uh, I think 10 and 12 at the time as I look back the, the, the emotional attachment to something I wasn't even a tiny bit involved with but experienced through the media and the shock that that, that sent through the whole nation fast forward 22 years and I'm now protecting small children from predatory offenders, whether it be adults or otherwise, mm. it felt like I was in the right place to do what I had set out to do when I saw that little white coffin being walked down the down the church aisle in, in the UK. Um, and then to have that snatched away um, with all the other stuff, all the other deaths, all the other mangled... Um, torn apart bodies and faces that, that that you see every single night when you go to sleep. I just couldn't cope. That was it. Yeah. I was done. Broken beyond repair. Well, I I never
0: accept beyond repair. I never accept this abandonment of hope. I mean, I... So let me share the, you know, the, the one thing with, with yourself, Banger. I mean, um, and, and, and again, I want to just really applaud you for your courage for sharing something so personal and affecting um but the one thing is it, it's it is the power of hope it is it is the one thing that makes human beings unbeatable mm. um and when you go through these injuries and and and, and you've, you your hope is suppressed or it's been taken away uh, and and uh, i speak about the lie Lie that you don't that, that that there's not a bright future ahead. That the, the lie that you're permanently injured, you may not be you may not be permanently able to go back to policing. You May not even go back to meaningful quote unquote work as far as like being able to go into a, a paycheck because of your ability to sustain concentration that, that happens to some of these injuries. I mean, mm-hmm. so, so some of the architecture of your mind that's that 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 may be permanent, and, and and you may not find a way to overcome that in a way that you can. Get into a nine-to-five job. You know what? It's looking at finding what you are now built to do within that framework. Not how Banger was before, but how he, what's the best version he can be for tomorrow. And, you know, instead of always looking in the rearview mirror, like you be mindful of the past, but, you know, i I have you know I look at you and, and and all these other guys who are working this wellness retreat you know and, and we all are carrying these you know the baggage we're carrying we cannot yet leave behind but the future is much brighter than I think you have yet to see and uh f- for someone who is um coming up you know i'm I'm in a very good place and I can I'm, I have this, this observation, and i'm you know you're not able to see this on a podcast, but I'm looking you in the eye and I'm telling you, your future is extraordinarily bright and the amount of good you're going to do and put into this world before you're six feet under is going to be extraordinary. Thanks, man. So, on that very hopeful note. Rock and roll. If you're alone, be together. Be together.